0: Chapter Eight: The Hunters. That rolled boy, not from choice, because Scar Pony was riding a little bit. That made no argument about it. He was biding his time. He had adorned boy with feathers and paint, except for certain thoughts inside. He felt like a real Comanche. He could not have looked much like an Indian boy, for the walnut dye was wearing off, and his freckles and his light-colored hair were growing in again. Several of the young braves went with them. Their bodies bare except for bridge cloth and moccasins, and a few feathers in their hair. A buffalo robe was rolled and tied to the back of each saddle. The nights were still cold, although spring was on the way. Reaching the region where Scots had reported antelope, they searched the horizon. At last, one of the young men called with suppressed excitement. They go there! Whistling Dog and one of the other braves each put an antelope's head, completed with horns on his head. It gave a realistic imitation of a living antelope. The hunters dropped from their ponies and left them with one of the boys. Then they crept toward the slope, where the game that had been spotted, each holding a dry tumbleweed in front of him. Soon Whistling Dog gave them a signal to lie quietly where they were. They watched until a herd appeared not far away. Then a white rump showed as the animal turned its back toward the hunters. Whistling Dog slowly raised his lance with the white cloth attached to its point. This he held very still. The only movement was the fluttering of the cloth in the breeze. Antelopes are curious creatures and will risk their lives to investigate something strange. The antelope on the slope threw his head back again. And almost immediately, eight or ten more heads appeared. Then they were lowered again as the animals resumed their grazing. Again, Whistling Dog raised the lance. The first antelope took a step or two toward the hunters while the others watched. Whenever the antelope lowered their heads to graze again, the hunters crept silently forward. Finally, they were within an easy arrow shot. Whistling Dog raised his mask and every one of the hunters let fly with an arrow at an animal already selected. It was hard to tell who had scored hits, but seven antelope were down. Most of them were shots to the neck. The other antelope, including the one that Thad had aimed, were off in a flash, their white rumps bobbing across the plain. The hunters jumped to their feet, they ran for a moment in the direction the antelope had taken, then they turned back to skinning of those they had shot. Now the hour was late, and the hunters were far from home, they decided to make camp for night where they were. Cutting ribs from one of the antelope, they roasted them over the fire of buffalo chips. While the meat cooked, the hunters stretched their tired bodies in the warm glow of the fire. They talked as men and boys of any race love to talk on such an occasion. Scarpony and Thad sat beside each other, each holding a piece of meat on forked sticks. It was a time when friendly talk, even between enemies, came easy. Scarpony kept a running conversation with Thad, most of it about the events of the day. Then he said, Spotted Boy, I saw you before two lances found you at the creek. When did you see me? Thad asked. With long arrow I followed you and two women on the horses. We shot arrows at you, but we did not try to hit you. Our men were a long way off, it was only to see you run. I don't remember riding far with two women, Thad said. One woman was young. She had two little ones. The older woman took one of the little ones on her saddle when you heard the drums from our camp. Scar Pony explained, You were riding my blackbird. Then Thad remembered. It was the day that they had been to visit the Bransons. Mom, Miss Ellie Clark, and the little ones. The older one was my mother, Thad said. But when did you see me besides that time? Once when you and your dogs and some boys of the Long Knives had a raccoon treat. The dogs fought the raccoon and he almost drowned one of them. Oh, Thad said. One was my brother, and the other was the brother of the white girl who lives at Buffalo Horns Lodge. They call her Sleepwalk Girl. You were laughing at us. We laughed at the dogs and the raccoon. Scarpony explained. I remember well, Thad said. I felt as though someone were looking at me, and when I looked up, I saw you. But I didn't know until now that it was you. He remembered that he had noticed the friendly expression on the face of one of those three Comanche boys that day. Even a Scarpony face now wore a look of friendship. Who were the others with you? Thad asked. Running Fox and Boy Who last were there, Scarponi answered. But there were others, older men in the woods behind us. We did not want to fight then. The warriors were planning an attack on a ranch before morning. Thad laughed. It's a good thing for us that you didn't want to fight. We boys were alone and didn't have much ammunition. I'm glad too we did not fight, Scarponi agreed, or you would not be my friend now. One of the things about the Comanches that Thad disliked was their boastfulness. After a buffalo hunt or a raid, the men told long-winded stories about the village fires, pompously describing their brave deeds. Two lances and his friend were even making a great story of their courage in capturing Thad at the creek. It was ridiculous to think it took any great bravery to capture a lone boy by surprise. Whistling Dog and another young warrior, Rising Bear, were listening out of the conversation of two boys. Whistling Dog spoke to Thad, I have seen, in the house of the long knives, the book that talk. Do books talk to you? For a moment Thad did not understand what Whistling Dog meant. Then it dawned on him. He was asking if Thad could read. He nodded his head. Yes, they talked to me, he said. I heard that the Long Knives have a great book from the heavens, said Whirlwind. He had to wait a long time before speaking of this. The pause showed the importance he attached to his words. Following this custom, Thad took his time to answer Whirlwind. He hoped thus to convince him that he considered this part of the conversation important too. The hunters listened to him as he answered. We have such a book, he said. What does the talking book from the heavens tell you? Whistling Dog asked. Another long wait, which the boy appeared to be thinking, then Thad answered. The book tells us many things about the god who lives beyond the sun. He made the sun. The sun gives us light, Whistling Dog said. The sun merely warms us, Thad replied. Does the book tell us how we made us feed our enemies, Whirlwind asked. Thad gave this in long thought. He was trying to recall some of the scripture texts he had learned. But no one would come to his mind. The eyes of the other hunters were upon him, waiting for his answer. Finally, he had an inspiration. The book tells us that the Father, God, sent his son from heaven to tell us that we must love everybody. We must love even our enemies. As he spoke the words, Dad thought of the hatred he felt for these, these enemies. He was not paying heed to the teaching of the book himself. A long silence fell between during which the boys and young men sat with bowed heads. He wondered what they were thinking. At last, Whistling Dog spoke quite reasonably. If we love our enemies, he is no longer our enemy. How then can we kill him? Dad pondered this question, then answered. I reckon we couldn't. The subject was something beyond his power to explain, perhaps, he thought, and others found it as difficult. After a few bouts of wrestling in which Thad could hold his own with any of the other boys his age, the hunters rolled themselves in their robes and slept beside the dying fire. Thad, looking up at the far stars that he so often watched from home, felt himself a part of this wild life and these people. Still there were times where he lay awake and longed for his own home and his own kind of people. There were guns in Yellow camp, but not enough for all the Braves. To Thad it seemed that the Indians were better marksmen with a bow and arrow, or lance, than with guns. He himself had never been an expert with bow and arrow, as he had with a gun. So when Scarpony told him that they would be on a buffalo hunt, and that the boys would be allowed to go along, he decided to ask Yellowcloud to use one of the two guns that hung in his teepee. I'm not so good at shooting with a bow and arrow, as with a rifle, he explained. Yellowcloud asked, Can you bring down the buffalo with the gun? I think so, Thad answered, not wishing to make a definite promise. Many buffalo have been found, Yellowcloud said. They will soon be gone to north, so we must get plenty of meat for our women to dry. Then will you let me use the gun, Thad asked again. Maybe gun, maybe bow, was all the answer he got from Yellowcloud as he turned back into his lodge. Before first daylight the following morning, Thad brought Bullet to the door of the lodge to saddle him for the hunt. As he did so, Yellowcloud brought him the gun from behind his backrest. It was a muzzle loader, of course, as were many rifles of the time. As Thad sighted along the barrel, he wished he had given him time with it to get the feel of this one. The hunters rode northward, following the buffalo herd. They came on the buffalo at mid-morning, a vast, black mass of animals grazing quietly in the sunshine. The hunters who had brought headgear now domed them and crept on foot toward their prey. The foolish buffalo scarcely lifted their head, so it was easy for the hunters to approach them in their disguise. They guessed there were many thousands of animals, for the black, slowly moving mass reached as far as the eye could see and well beyond. Dad was not at first permitted to fire his gun, for the Comanches had a system of buffalo hunting that to him seemed cruel. It kept the buffalo from becoming alarmed too soon, however, and enabled the hunters to get all the meat they needed before the animal should stampede. Running alongside the herd on their ponies, keeping pace with the buffalo, each lancer chose a beast and paced it until he had a good target. Suddenly he leaned forward, his lance raised in both hands and dove it into the loins of the buffalo. A backward heave of the hunter's body brought the lance point free in the wounded animal and it fell. The poor beast was only wounded and the lancer rode on after another target. He was followed by the boys and one or two old men who finished killing the wounded beast with a bow and arrow. Then some of the old men and women came to skin the carcasses. When at last the buffalo herd awoke to the fact that they were under attack and were alarmed by the smell of blood, Red Wolf gave the signal for those who carried guns. Until now the slaughter had been silent. Now Thad, with the others who had guns, raced alongside the frightened, madly running horde of animals. Thad shot one, dropped to the ground, and reloaded threw himself on his horse to race and shoot again. Several times he reloaded, raced, and shot, taking care that he hit a vital spot in each animal, aiming for the neck or at a point just behind the shoulder. He left no wounded animals to await the mercy of death. When the buffalo departed the killing halted, a mile or more had been covered by hunters. The trail was marked by the carcasses of fallen animals, with women and old men at work on them. The hunters watched themselves at a little stream and returned to the campfires. The women were already roasting fat humps and ribs of buffalo. After a rest, the boy, still excited from the hunt, started a hand-matching wrestle. A boy placed the side of his foot against that of his opponent, then, grasping hands, each endeavored to throw the other. Dad had noticed how challengeable and childish an Indian mood can be. One moment Yellow Cobb might be laughing and joking with the women or playing with Blue Flower's baby. The next moment he might take offense at some small thing and give the offender a beating. At first, Dad had been outraged at such treatment of a woman by a man, but it seemed to be the custom among the Indians. When it happened that Little Rabbit was the one punished, she would take out her ire on Blue Flower, slapping her, scolding her, and setting her at some difficult task. Sometimes it was dad who caught the brunt of her anger. Thad had wrestled often with the other boys. One of the best wrestlers was Small Weasel, about the same age and size as Thad. Sometimes he was able to throw the other boy. Today, Thad threw Small Weasel three times in succession. Small Weasel was never the most handsome boy in Yellow Cloud's band. His eyes were small, glittering beads, close set in the face that were heavy, pockmarked. Now, as he leaped to his feet after his third fall, his face was the mask of evil, crazed with anger, and forgetting all the rules of the sport, he came up with a lance in his hand and threw it at Thad with all his might. Had it landed where he aimed, there would have been no more spotted boy, but Thad dodged just in time. It made him a deep flesh wound in the muscle of his upper arm. Small Weasel seized another lance, but Thad threw a rock at him, hitting Small Weasel on the forehead. The Indian boy dropped to the ground like a dead buffalo. Thad, fearing that he had harmed the other boy more than he had intended, knelt over him. Chaffing Small Weasel's hands, he called to Scarpony, Get water! Scarpony came running with a gourd full of water. As Thad bathed the boy's face and head with it, Small Weasel opened his eyes and sat up, rubbing his head. He looked at Thad in surprise when he realized that it was the white boy was leaning over him. Not to harm, but to help. Now Thad helped him to his feet and led him to the women at the campfire. Scarpony, Boy You Laughs, and Running Fox were speechless with amazement at such behavior. In a perplexed tone of voice, Scarpony asked, Why does Spotted Boy help his enemies? Small Weasel tried to kill you. Is it because you do as the book from heaven tells you? Boy who laughs wondered. Dad shrugged his shoulders. He could not explain his action except to say that he had been brought up that way. Small Weasel is not my enemy, he said. He was angry because I beat him at wrestling. Wouldn't you have helped him? The Indian boys shook their heads. Surely they thought the ways of the long knives were strange indeed. Continuing listening.